We're going. I thought you were recording already. No, we missed it. Sorry, what? you missed that. You mean we did that whole thing and we, it wasn't even recorded? That was just for me and you, buddy. Man. We had a moment. You guys should have heard the moment we just shared. Well, you want to recreate it? No, it's not going to be the same. Rusty cussed at me. <laughs> that is not true, sir. That's true. That's what that happened. Is, that is not true. He called I got to put my mic down and shift. I'm very uncomfortable in this couch right now. I'm like sitting I have a couch awkward. in my office. Rusty's sitting on it. I'm sitting at my desk. Rusty's sitting on my couch over there. I need. I just noticed. I need like an end table for you to set your coffee on. I don't have any. Yeah, this is really. I could stack up some books. Like I've got a stack. Stack, stack up some study bibles. I've got just four study bibles in a pile by my desk. You could. I know, man. He's tried to. I think he got those out this morning, so it would look like he'd been reading. Um, so he, today, uh, tough topic today. Tough topic coming up. Are we, are we gonna do it? We'll have to be careful. Yeah. We'll have to. Uh, Keep a tight rein on our tongues, as James would tell us to do. We are we are so outrageous on this podcast. This is like shock jock podcast. Shock jocks. I don't know. Jock jams. Pump. Y'all pump ready for jams. this? Pump it up. Pump it. I'm ready to bust out the locker room right now, bro. Are you making fun of my locker? You do have a locker in your office. I wasn't I thinking about that. What, what do you mean? keep in there? Uh, I've got... S- Personal item. I got to change the clothes <laughs> in there. Personal items, like you're like, Ugh. oh, the dead bodies. Like, you got some weed in uh, there. What's going on? No, I got to change the clothes, like toothbrush, deodorant, <laughs> toothpaste, uh, personal hair gel. items. Uh, tried to say that so. Hey, just a, just I mean, some, I, just personal items. Because to- I hate the word toiletries. Toiletries. Yeah, because it has toilet weird. in it. I hate that. <laughs> Let's get a better word, America. Tough topic today, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We are. So let's. Uh, Let's let's do it. Cue the music, DJ. Hey everybody. One hour a week. Is it my turn or yours? Go for it, man. One hour a week podcast. I think it's your turn. You better do it. No, you got no, this. I don't man. want to take it from you. you. Got Go it. ahead. Do you remember last week when I said that I didn't want to, have to edit the podcast? Well, don't edit all this. Just leave it in. It's your turn. My man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the leave whatever. All that in. The no, this is the wrong podcast. This isn't I'm tired. Jeez. All right. Uh, too Take many three. podcasts. I have, and I haven't even done a whatever podcast in like a week and a half. Last time I did, I was still sick. So it was like, hey, everybody. <laughs> welcome to the whatever podcast. And here's what's great. I don't even do the intro for the whatever <laughs> podcast. Y'all have like a pre-recorded yeah. intro. Jeez. <laughs> what is happening right now? Hi, okay. everybody. Welcome to This American Life. Greetings. I'm your host, Ira Glass. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to One Hour a Week, a 30-minute podcast about life and ministry. I'm Rusty Mott alongside my good friend, brother-in-arms, comrade, pastor, Jared Hall. I may not be your good friend at the end of this episode. Yeah, we're. I'm gonna hate you. We so. might fight. I already hate you a pretty good bit. Just a, <laughs> just a little. Just a pretty. Just good enough bit. to keep it interesting. Just yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like we said the other day. It's like pardon the interruption. You know, yeah. we gotta. Some days we agree with each other and it's a boring episode. Some days we are all on it. I get my hair cut at Sport Clips, and they always have ESPN on the TV. I'm so fancy. And nine times out of ten that I'm in there, the uh, ESPN is showing first take. Used to be Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Now it's whatever guy they have available and Max Kellerman. Max Kellerman 
I think that's his name, right? Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. It's not always Stephen A. Smith, though. A lot of they times they have like guys. somebody else. Yeah. I guess because NBA playoffs are happening. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith's not available as not much. But Max Kellerman might be the single most unlikable sports talking head that there is. He is so... It's not just that he's aggressive. Like it's you can tell he's like really hyping up his aggression, Even his more irritability. Than Stephen A? He's yes. Wow. He's more unlikable than Stephen. That is a, a hot sports opinion right I there. An HSO from Max Jared Kellerman. Hollier. Can't stand him. Get Worse him than Stephen face. A. Smith. That's yeah. bad. I would I would rather have Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless back on than have to watch that guy. Do you want to interview Stephen A. Smith for the whatever? Not the whatever. No, what? This is I got to get my podcast straight. Ah. Uh yeah, if we could have Stephen A. Smith on. <laughs> okay, so let's go to the whatever podcast. Matthew and mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith. Mm, which one? <laughs> no, together. Oh, just together. A debate <laughs> show. Re- it would replace? just be Stephen A. Smith yelling and Matt going, replace. "Man, I'm sorry. I love you. I love that's you. You great. know, I love you, Stephen. You know, that's, that's a good so take. Good. What a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I oh, love you. That's so good. Anyway, moving on. So today on one hour a week, we're going to uh, we're going to address a couple of. Uh, ongoing conversations in kind of the broader evangelical culture. Uh, we'll try to bring it home, kind of close to home with some, what are we doing in our churches? Uh, but Everybody's wanted to know our opinion on these issues. I, I, it's just that this is the conversation, the kind of the, the circles that we run in, maybe not personally, but on Twitter at least. Like these are the conversations that are happening. So we're going to, we're going to join in the conversation today. So there's, there's two stories that I'll bring up kind of as a way of introduction and then we'll, We'll bring it on home and talk a little bit about it in our immediate circles. You're checking your phone over there. Is everything all right? I am. You got to... No, everything's good. Oh, I'm just waiting for your attention. Hey, you know what? 90% of the people listening to this podcast will be checking their phones as they listen to this podcast, too. So I'm just trying to make you comfortable. I need your undivided attention. So, two topics as a way of introduction. Number one. About a month ago now, there was the MLK 50 conference that was put on by, uh, who put that on? The ERLC and Gospel the Coalition? and Religious Liberties Commission. Russell the Moore's. Southern Baptist Convention. Russell Moore's the president of that. They do a lot of great work uh, politically and religiously. They're a good organization. I like Russell Moore. We've got some friends that aren't big fans, but I like him. Russ. Um, so the MLK 50 conference, uh, <coughs> a lot of conversation about racial reconciliation. They were very intentional about just hammering that topic home, that we as a country and we as a, a a denomination, I guess, maybe just we as the church at large need to do better at racial reconciliation. There was a lot of disagreement with some of the talks. There was a lot of hot conversation, fiery conversation that came out of that conference um, based on what? What were, what were some of the problems that people had with that conference? Because I didn't go real deep into it. I watched some of the clips. I didn't watch any single... Uh, long talk, but I watched a ton of three and four minute clips, and and I don't. So you're part of the problem. I struggle to see what the objection was. I I watched all of Matt Chandler's yeah. sermon because um, I watch all of Matt Chandler's sermon. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't anymore. I used to. Uh, you tracking I, with me? Tracking. Right. 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 Uh, count how many us he drops. If you had a drinking game when he was saying, uh, <laughs> you would just, you know, uh, need to You wouldn't pray. be a Baptist you anymore. You about that. You probably do listen to Matt Chandler because he's always making drinking jokes. And he, he's like, yeah, I'm a cool pastor because I drink occasionally, <laughs> eh? <laughs> oh, duels. <laughs> you know, the congregation laughs. Interesting. Uh, 
that's another topic for another day too. Uh, but I'd listen to that and it was a good message, just kind of a call to be mindful about these things. I would say what most of the pushback revolved around is the issue of race as it pertains to uh, all white people needing to repent repent of racism. Like some of the speakers stood up and said, on behalf of all Caucasians, we are sorry and a lot of people went, hey, that type don't, of stuff. Don't yeah. talk, don't speak for me here. Not not and that I'm not sorry, but like I, I don't, don't know if we could find that exact clip, but that spirit was definitely <laughs> right. present. No, I'm right. just I'm just saying that in case yeah. somebody does try to push back on us for saying that. But that spirit was definitely present and it, there can be a sense of, man, this is difficult for me to kind of wrap my brain around, but obviously we're a couple of white guys recording this yeah. in Vider, Texas for what that's worth. <laughs> Uh, in Southeast Texas, an area where racism is still very prevalent and very right, and it's an and well. old saying that eleven o'clock Sunday morning is the most segregated hour. Yeah, in our country. And and I I come from a background before I came back to Southeast Texas, where our church was very racially diverse. There there were not a whole lot of African Americans, but it, we had probably about a third of our church was Hispanic, mm-hmm. and we sang songs in English and Spanish, and we preached in English and Spanish. So I came from a very diverse background from, in ministry at least, being raised in ministry. But I also come from Southeast Texas where right. I was raised in what would is I think is fair to say, even this will offend some, but to say this is a fairly race uh, racist area. Sure. Can we just throw it out there that bluntly, I guess? Uh, so it's a struggle that we have, and I live in a community where our community is about 20% African-American, and our church is about point zero 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 one African-American. We have one African-American member. Yeah. and Thank I, goodness I, for that one, because now we can say we're a racially diverse church. Yeah, well, <laughs> not at all. You know, and it would be easy to do that, but yeah. I really would like to reach more of the African-American community in our city, but there are issues there trying to do that that come up. So in the midst of this effort, I think it's extremely difficult when— I don't know if conferences like the MLK 50 in some ways, I don't know if they help or pour fuel on the fire. Yeah. Because there is the, the broader conversation in our culture. I mean, when you, when you just talk about race anywhere, not just in the church, but period in our culture, it's such a, I mean, you can't make it not a political issue or yeah. a social issue. I mean, these are just hot button topics, period. And so I wonder too, like, was that, I mean, obviously, the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination, that's what it was planned around as far as the date is, but also, was it a reaction? Or, or, like, is it fair to say we need to be more proactive when the whole conference and the whole conversation is reactive? Yeah. Does that make sense? That's wise to say, because if Trump is not president, does MLK 50 happen, and is it such a big deal? Uh, Trump being elected has caused so much... Uh, division in our country yeah. and, and I'm listen a big chunk of our listeners and the vast majority at least of my church are all pro Trump and they're glad he's in office and they're glad of the policies he's doing and there's some things that even I would say hey that's good that's a good thing that's happening <coughs> but the reality of our divided and polarized country is as as strong as it's ever been oh yeah and and I've seen since since the election, the 2016 election, I've seen division increase even in our community. Uh, and I think it's because, again, 
people see the political ideology and those kind of things as who we are. Like, for instance, if you go on Twitter, I think yesterday or the day before, I saw somebody say, white evangelicals elected Trump and or support Trump right. and are in favor of Trump. And I'm like, man, don't don't paint everybody with that same brush. Yeah. Even people who may have voted for Donald Trump, that doesn't mean they endorse every single aspect yeah, of his character. They were voting character. against the other candidate. So like, I, I just want to go on record. I did not vote for Trump. I'm, I'm not going to talk about who I did or didn't vote for personally. <laughs> I didn't vote for Hillary right. either. So, but all that Third to party, say, right in. All that to say that political ideology is way more nuanced than we make it. Yes. It's either you're for me or you're against me. Well, I put now. something on Facebook earlier this week that said that very thing, that even when you get into... You did. What What did you... I well, remember this now. It was that, you know, you ask somebody, if somebody says, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, we bring all this baggage into what that means. Well, the Democrat and Republican are just two extremes of a broad spectrum and people do the same thing with christian or baptist or catholic or agnostic like we bring these preconceived notions to people's labels when like you said it's just so much more nuanced and everybody is more gray than than we give them kind of the permission to be and so yeah okay if you voted for trump like you said that doesn't mean that you're in favor of every single thing he says and does no you're maybe you were just voting against the other person so so yeah the division is is heightened because we're not willing to have these in the middle gray area nuanced conversations. Uh, nuance was a word we just dropped, but I heard this originally, and you expressed this idea, idea on Twitter as well. But my friend Scott Venable, who is one of the pastors at Northwood Church in Keller, uh, a large church and one of the most forward thinking, diverse, uh, multicultural churches in, I would say, the vast area like Southern United States. Scott said this nuance is a crazy thing. Most people who say guns aren't the problem, people, people are, love the Billy Graham rule. And most of those who want boundaries with guns say that the Billy Graham rule isn't the solution, it's man's heart. Yeah. Could it possibly be a nuanced solution in both? And he said the same thing. Nuance is a crazy thing. Most people who want no government interference want the government to interfere on abortion and marriage. Most who want government interference on systematic racism and guns want no government interference on abortion and marriage. Nuanced solutions for both? Question mark. Yeah, it's almost like we're all That's hypocrites. Like a, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Who's that, Scott Venable, you said? Scott Venable, yeah. So the other topic that I wanted to bring up kind of related to this was uh, just this week there's been kind of this back and forth um, between— and it, it, not back and forth, but Beth Moore wrote a letter, kind of a, an open letter to my Christian brothers, I think is what she titled it, just about her experience being a woman uh, in leadership, a woman in public ministry. Uh, she kind of shared some of her her struggles in that, talked about how she felt often uh, diminished, looked down upon, even mocked and made fun of because she was a woman in ministry, and that uh, she used the word misogynistic several times in this letter. Uh, and in response to that, the BDN Anyabuile, I almost got through it, which I don't even where is that the was a now? that was a pretty serious. I know he was in uh, Cayman Islands for years. Where is yeah, he now? He is in Washington. Um, Thabiti Anyabuile wrote a letter in response to that. Again, posted it publicly. Um, I mean, it gave me chills. I, it was just a beautiful letter of apology and repentance. And um, he said in that, you know, hey, open letter to Beth Moore. I never said anything personally disparaging about you, but I've been in rooms where people talked about you and I didn't, I didn't correct them. 
He said, I, you know, I probably did roll my eyes and kind of diminish you some because you're a woman, and I'm sorry for that. And just a beautiful letter of, again, repentance and apology and humility. And coming from a guy of that stature, um, it was just it was just great, man. It was just like, like our friend Adam Schaefer uh, on Twitter said, like, we need to see more of that in the church. And so just this tiny little Caucasian woman in Beth Moore, who I think is like five foot two, she's just this little diminutive uh, lady, uh, and then Thabiti Anyabuile, who is a, a a big, you know, it looks like a lineman, just this big African American giant beast of a man, and just to see this online exchange between those two opposites in so many ways, but they're brother and sister in Christ, and they kind of come back and rally around that. Um, it was just a neat exchange to see diversity, and so that's the topic we're getting to ultimately: is racial and gender and social and in all other ways. Diversity is something that is being talked about, right? And, yeah. And it's such a, it becomes a heated issue. And I think Thabiti and Beth Moore show us that it doesn't have to be such a heated issue. I think the reason it becomes such a heated, uh, heated issue is because the blame game is often played as opposed to talking about like today, if we just opened up and said, hey, guys, we're going to talk about diversity. We're going to talk about, you know, the the need to uh, raise up women leadership in our church. We right. need to talk about um, why we need to try to reach all the ethnicities that are in our community and uh, talk about the importance of that. Uh, instead of saying, hey, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. You're the problem. It's your heart if you don't have this. Um, and, and some of that is just obviously the no one likes to be called out right right? Um, because there is this within all of us the struggle of accepting everybody I I think about this I I think I just want to say for everyone to hear right now (laughs) that I definitely do diminish and disregard a whole lot of people I think that is a huge issue in my life, and if I am uh, could just speak into all of your lives as well, it's a big issue in your life. But I don't think that most of the time my disregarding of people has to do with their gender or their race. I think I just disregard people because I'm a selfish jerk, and I think I'm better than everybody. <laughs> so. And it's a sin that I have to kill on a daily basis. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I, like I, I don't think, disregard based on difference. I disregard just because, because I don't, I I'm don't a care human about you. And I'm a sinner. Yeah. And we all, so I think sometimes we're we're looking for the, oh, it's because you're a Whatever. white guy. It's because yeah. you're a white male. Right. Of course you, of course you don't like anybody of color, people of color or women. And it's like, no, I disregard everybody. Mm-hmm. Like you and I, if we hang out very long, we will roll our eyes at each other and disregard a thought yeah. that we probably should have stopped and thought about and pondered. And when, when we do that, we miss out on God's perfect image of human flourishing. Uh, so, again, I'm not trying to dismiss systemic racism and uh, systemic uh, gender inequality. I'm not trying to do that. But what I am saying is that if we're not careful, we we will talk about those issues without ever getting to the fact that, man, there's there's this problem that also exists here that we're all diminishing and disregarding everybody. And we all just need to come to the table regardless of these things 
and move forward together. Yeah, because I'll, you know, so based on the two topics that we've brought up here, race and, and gender, I'll write off other white men just because I don't like their attitude. Or, um, you know, there's been conference speakers that I've been to the conference and I see this guy come up on stage and he's dressed a certain way and he might preach the most biblically sound, powerful message. But the fact that he's wearing skinny jeans and a bow tie and glasses that are too big for his head, I just don't listen to him. I just write him off. And so, yeah, we do make judgments based on difference. Yeah, yeah. just differences, though. Yeah. Um, So... So what, how do we combat that sin then? What do, what do I do in my heart to, wh- whatever the difference is that I'm writing people off then, I mean, is it, do I need to address those as separate issues? We need or to do, go through or Dunder this, Mifflin's diversity training. Oh, man. Dunder Mifflin, <laughs> paper company. So they're not separate issues is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, my selfishness is not separate from my latent racism or sexism or classism or the fact that I don't like people from north of the Mason-Dixon line or... Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, yeah. The South will rise again. That's just, it's the same issue, right? And here's what's tough about these conversations. So we really are trying to work through this and we're just recording this and we'll put this out there for people to hear. But, and we're not famous enough for this to be an issue. But if we were, you know what people would immediately say. Oh, so there's two white guys talking about this. <laughs> yeah, two white men. Yeah. Two middle class. So why Southern why, Baptist. You know, if they'd have really wanted to work through this, they would have had a conversation with a person of color or with a woman. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, that's just reality that uh it, we're so polarized, everybody wants to have an opinion about everything. So again, let us just confess our ignorance. Yeah. And that we have a lot to learn and that we want to try to seek those kinds of conversations with people. And here's the crazy thing too. The open letter system mm-hmm. and all of that. You don't like it? I'm not saying I don't like it. I understand the place of it, too. But uh, can can I hang out and learn and glean wisdom from my African-American preacher friends without having to tell everybody about it and make a big deal of it and show everybody how diverse I am? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like there have been, there have literally been, There was a pastor in our area, so now I'm making it public so I can show everybody how diverse I am. But when one of the big things was going on, I think one of the young black men had been shot. Everyone's talking about things on social media. And there was a black pastor in our area who posted on uh, Facebook, interesting that all of my white clergy brothers are silent on this issue. Yeah, And I was like, It, it hurt me. It just hurt me. Um, consider this guy a friend. So I just called him and he didn't answer. And I left him a voicemail saying, Hey, I really need to talk to you, brother. Call me when you get a chance. And he called me back and I said, man, I don't want to speak out of my ignorance. Yeah. Like what, what am I supposed to say? I I could say something and then guess what? This, a white male is speaking out of his ignorance. Yeah. And I just kind of, we, we dialogued and talked for a long time. And I, I think we had some understanding and I learned some things and, uh, but can I tell you what I learned? I learned that I, do, I still don't want to talk about it on social media uh, because it is, it's so, again, nuanced that you start talking about these things. And I didn't want to talk about this today on the podcast. Yeah, you, you pushed told back me this when was I the idea. I'm like, no, let's talk about how to do a good bulletin. <laughs> let's you know? talk about the, the Cowboys losing their entire roster this yeah. offseason. Yeah, so I mean – because it is so difficult, and people, again, how many times have we, we've, this has been, we could call this episode caveats, 
because almost everything we say, we're like, well, uh, let me first say, yeah. right? Because we know this it's is weird the type of stuff that people seize upon. I love that you, a white male, went ahead and used a stereotypical white male voice anywhere. You're like, well, well, oh, chess and sweaters. <laughs> my voice, that's my voice for everybody, to be honest with you. And apparently I think white people just love chess and sweaters. I, I know. That's the stereotypes. You are <laughs> such a racist, Jared Hallyer. Two things I want to say. One, the the reason these topics are so... Uh, chess and sweaters. I just want to go back to that for a minute. What a random interpretation. Yeah. And In my head, when I think of a white person, I think of somebody wearing a sweater playing chess. Not you and your entire life and background. <laughs> so, I, got a, I got a lot of baggage to work for through. what it's worth. The reason these things are so tough to talk about is because these things are our identity, right? And so if somebody feels like you're attacking a segment of the population, if I relate to that segment of the population, you're attacking me. So if you say something about um, about white people, I, guess what? Guess what I am? I'm a white person. So if you say something at the MLK conference, let's go back to that. If somebody stood on stage and said, all white evangelicals need to apologize and repent, not that anybody said that, but if that's the the message that got out, I'm a white evangelical, and and I feel like you're you're coming at me with your yeah. claws out, and so so there's no getting away from from our identity, and that's why it's so important for us as Christians to say, you know what, more than a Southern Baptist middle class white male, I'm a follower of Christ. Like that has to be the root of my identity, because then when you attack something else about me, it's easier for me to like brush it off. And if you attack Jesus, who is the core of my identity, like he's big enough to defend himself, he can handle your criticism. And so, so number one, we as Christians, more than Baptist, more than male or female, more than white or black or other, more than gay or straight, more than Republican or Democrat, we have to be Christ followers first. Like that has to be the foundation of our identity. And that's why, that's why Paul can say in Galatians, in Christ, there's not slave or free or Jew or Greek or male or female because Christ is all and in all and we're all the same because we all have that same foundation, right? So that's yeah. number one. Colossians 3, by the way. Galatians 3. Colossians 3 as well. I'm looking at it in Galatians 3. You're all... Yeah. Col- yeah. Paul said the same thing in multiple letters. There's Imagine neither that. Jew nor Greek, slave nor female. Imagine or, that. Oh, the gospel's were, the same wherever you're going. I thought you were trying to correct me. Sorry. No. Like maybe just adding to it. You pronounced that weird. So that was one. I forgot two. Oh, number two. Here's the other thing. I think it's interesting that it seems like in the political culture, um, and here I am painting with a broad brush here, because uh, I'm going to say the left, and I'm going to say the liberals. Dun, dun, dun. But it seems like it seems like what the left is trying to do is push us all toward sameness. Um, there's no male or female, and they say it in a different way than Paul does. When Paul says there's no male or female slavery free, he means something totally different than when the left says there's no such thing as gender. They want to do away with with classes. So let's all get paid the same. There's no genders. There's no uh, sexuality. Like they want us to be just this kind of amalgamous blob where we're just we're just people, right? There's no difference at all. I th- I feel like that's a an extreme, extreme left position, but you can kind of see where 
where the culture is pushing us that way. Like there's not gay and straight and male and female and rich and poor. Like we're all just the same. I think that's anti-gospel. I think that's anti-Christ because I think in the church, we don't need to do away with diversity. We need to celebrate diversity. Yeah. We need to be a diverse, because read Revelation. God is calling unto himself a people of all nations and all types and all everything. And I think the church needs, it does need to be a place that celebrates and pursues diversity. So put your weapons down, come together right now. Over me. Bum, 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 it's hard. Da. It's hard to do that, though. It's hard to put down the shield, stop defending yourself, and put down the sword, stop trying to, you know, stab everybody else, <laughs> and and just come and have a conversation. And um, celebrating those differences means realizing that at the end of the day, the unity we have is in Christ. Yeah. I mean, I say that all the time at Cornerstone that, uh, while we may not be extremely racially diverse, you look around in our congregation, where else would that group of people be hanging out? Right. You know, older people, younger people, rich people, poor people, and everybody in between, um, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, all a different mix of people. That group of folks isn't hanging out anywhere else other than when they gather at Cornerstone, and the only thing we have to gather around is Christ. So spreading that diversity into racial areas and other things that we can just come together and regardless of all these differences that we gather together around Christ and celebrate him um, I think that would be extremely helpful for us let me ask you something yeah because sometimes when these conversations and, and maybe you'll edit this out I don't know but sometimes when we have these conversations you you do push back a little do you think that part of your pushback is the hesitation to make pursuing diversity a goal. Like we, the church, we're supposed to be about one thing, making disciples. And sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, we can get sidetracked and say making disciples is a secondary goal. What we're pursuing here now is diversity. We want to be a diverse church. Do you think that there's that that part of your no? I think part of my pushback is what we talked about earlier that I feel attacked a lot of times yeah. for being a white male. Oh, you're a white male. Um, you can't be attacked. So I mean, I, I think some of it is just the pride and the the you know self preservation. Uh, but no, I mean again because one of one of my missions when I came to Cornerstone, I came from a multicultural church, and when I go to Garland and hang out with my friends from there, I promise you what they ask me is not how big is the church. They're not impressed with how big our church is and that we built a building and all that. In fact, there's a couple guys in particular that when I go back to Garland and visit, they ask, how's the diversity thing going? Yeah. Because one of my missions when I came here was to make a multicultural church in Southeast Texas. Which is hard to do. And it has not happened. So it has been one of my pursuits. And maybe that's some of the defense, too, is that I've struggled with making that happen. Mm -hmm. So when people kind of call that out, I'm like, I've been trying for five years. You know, I I don't know. Um, But I wonder, too, is is that— But what you're saying, I think, has some merit to it. That if you're not careful, you make diversity the gospel when the gospel should bring together diverse people. And and that's what I was going to say. It's do we make that a goal like if if we had a business plan as a church, which we don't, but you know, the annual meetings at a corporation, they sit down and they go, "Okay, this year here's our goals." 
do we put racial diversity or diversity of gender in leadership? Do we put diversity on our punch list, on our checklist of goals? Or do we just kind of open the doors and talk about it and hope that it happens? Like, is it is it intentional? I, I think there or has to be some intentionality. Kind of a residual effect of what we do. And again, I think on a conversation like this, we, that this may be one where we need to have a guest to talk about this because there's some who have walked through this way better than we have because, um, like I said, I'm still struggling. I think there has to be some intentionality, but the heart behind it, the finish line is not diversity. It's about the gospel. Yeah. Like, for example, I, I've openly said this, and if Cornerstone folks listen, which they don't probably, and some probably do, so not no offense if you're checking this podcast out, but I've said this somewhat openly to our leadership team, uh, that I, I really believe what will help us is having a staff member of color. Yeah. And I think that's uh, one of the things that we need to be able to reach the people of color in our community, um, whether that's Hispanic, African-American, and that's really the predominant ones, but we have some, some other cultures that exist there in Coots too, and it's only going to grow. So I think some of that has to be intentional to take those steps, but at the same time, um, the fin- that's not the finish line. Right. So when, you know, if God were to send us the perfect man or woman to be on staff and it was an African-American man or woman, you know, we'd be like, hey, hey look how diverse we are, everybody. Hey, everybody, we, we, did, we did it. it. Yeah. We did it. When, you know, mission accomplished, George W. Bush, banner. mission accomplished, yeah. <laughs> but that's not the end goal. Right. It's so we can take the gospel to the nations that are represented even right there in Coons. And the reality is, the Great Commission, if the Great Commission is our goal, if making disciples is what we should be about, diversity is built into the Great Commission. Yeah. It says make disciples of all, all ethne. Nations. The word for nations is ethne, yep. which is where we get our word ethnicities. Yeah. So literally it's to make disciples of all ethnicities. So that is the goal. Diversity is the goal of the gospel. But if we're not careful, we settle for a look of diversity instead of gospel diversity. So, is again, there's nuance in the way we're even talking about this. So. Yeah, and we've got to be humble enough. I think that's that's the biggest problem in all these conversations is when anybody thinks I've got all the answers and I know how to fix it and I will, I know I know what's wrong and I know what's right and everybody just needs to listen to me. We all just need to to shut up and listen, right? Wise is the man who is slow to speak and quick to listen. Yeah. Um, we, we just need to be willing to have the conversations. So that's why we did a podcast on that's it, talking to each other. <laughs> talking to each other. But if, if we could just encourage everybody to be like us, have conversations that are different. Encourage everybody to be like us. Well, what I mean to do, have <laughs> conversations and be open to listen. Yeah. Be open to listen. Yeah. Now, don't be like us. We're in the middle of this. But what I'm saying is acknowledge that. So be like us and acknowledging that we're not near where we need to be. We're not even close. Seek conversations. But we're trying. And so I think... I think we're on the right track. So, yeah. You know, we're willing to listen to to differences of opinion in politics and race and gender and denominations. We've got a lot to learn from our from our liberal brothers and sisters, from our hardcore conservative brothers and sisters. We've got a lot to learn from everybody. This is kind of like our open letter to this, all of you. This is an open letter. No, I'm working on an open letter to you, Rusty Mont. Or you could just talk about it while we eat lunch. No, let's do instead. That. You're gonna o- instead you're gonna write an open letter and post it on the internet. I'm gonna no. I'm gonna carry it around with me all the time and hand it out. Like, it's like an old fashioned open like 95 letter. Ninety five theses. <laughs> <laughs> and nail it to the door of your car. Hey, follow him on Twitter. He's at Bro Rusty Mont. 
follow him on Twitter. It's at Jared Hall. Follow our good friend Pat Overstreet, who helps us sound spectacular. Is this Pat O? At is this Pat O. Uh, That's on vacation. I think I may have to edit this one. So if this one sounded rough, just you need to understand how much Pat is valuable to this production. That's a tough conversation, but uh, I'm glad we had it. I'm glad that we will continue to have it. And if you'd like to chime in, uh, send us a tweet or an email or give us a call. Most of you have our numbers. Tabidi, you know how to get a hold of me. Beth Moore, I don't know, write an open letter and put it online to us. To these guys, to these two white guys who (laughs) had this conversation. My cousin ran into Beth Moore at an airport in Florida. Oh my gosh, is she okay? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that was the first thing she said. She said, I never realized how tiny she was. I do. I, I heard Beth Moore speak at a conference one time, and she 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 is she's mousy, tiny, well, mousy. What? That's not. Why did you even make that face? That's not an insult. She's just tiny, little dainty. That. Why are you? What are you doing right now? You say like I'm saying offensive things. I just don't know. You're gonna have an open letter written to you. That's what I'm because saying. Because I because Beth Moore is little person <laughs> not a little person i just offended another segment i'm just i'm just letting this hang for like 10 minutes of no well what if it was uh, uh. she's a giant in the faith though so <laughs> oh that was a literal drop the mic i don't even have to say it on this episode <laughs>